But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off are made, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace and hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, growing unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It's the grace of God. That's where it starts. That's why we have this. That's why we have what I just read to you. And I know it's a lengthy reading of Scripture, but it's all because of the grace of God. Grace shows us His goodness. Grace gives us His mercy. And grace leads us into His glory. Grace shows us His goodness. Grace gives us His mercy. And grace leads us into His glory. Paul said it in Second. And Titus, pardon me, chapter 2, verse 11. He said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Thank God for his grace. If you're thankful for the grace of God, why don't you just clap your hands right now? Thank God. Thank God. But let me throw this out here to you tonight, and for the next few moments, I want you to look at this from this perspective. We think of God's grace as an opportunity to receive, and it is. We think of God's grace as our opportunity to receive. But for the next few moments, just for a little while, let's look at it as God's opportunity to give. God's opportunity to give because God is a giver. He's looking for an opportunity. And that's my first point in this tonight. He's looking for an opportunity. I want you to travel with me to the story of the king named Asa. We find his story in 2 Chronicles chapter 14 is where it begins. But the Lord our text scripture, and we looked at it in, in, in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the Lord is constantly watching for occasion to help the faithful. I, I, I think the Lord wants us to get a hold of something tonight, that he is watching our lives. He's looking over our lives, and he's watching for an opportunity to, to, to bless his people, to help the faithful. 
Because the Bible said in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shew himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou, therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. This is a direct word to Asa, king of Judah. Are y'all with me? Our introduction to Asa is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. The Bible says, So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead, and the days, and the, in, in his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods, and the high places, and break down the images, and cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to do the law and the commandment. Also, he took away all the cities of Judah, the high places, and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. There's three things I want you to see if you're taking notes in this chapter of Second Chronicles 15, or 14. This chapter unfolds with Three things that we can learn from the life of Asa that we see this, the context of it. We see that it's quiet. There's not a whole lot going on. So here's what we find. The first thing is when at rest, build. In verses 6 and 7, the word lets us know that we sought the Lord. He gave us rest. So we built and prospered. I want you all to catch this with me. When at rest, build. And so that's what they did. When there was rest in the land, they built. The second thing is when at rest, prepare and equip. And in verse 8, you find that that's exactly what Asa did. He established an army. He had an army. And when there was not any fighting, when there was no war, he prepared and equipped an army. You see, you don't wait to the battle comes to prepare for the battle. I wish somebody was with me right now. You don't wait till the battle comes to prepare for the battle. What kind of country would we be if we did not have a standing army? What kind of country would we be if we did not, while it's quiet, be, be establishing and building and helping our military to become as good as they possibly can? Whatever your mindset is about that. Asa, Asa realized that when we're not having wars is when I need to be building my army. And so when they were at rest, they prepared and equipped and when they were opposed and the war came, when they were opposed, the third thing is they stood. So when it rests, build. When it, when it rests, prepare and equip. And when opposed, stand. And so this is the background of our text in, in, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter, uh, chapter 14 and verse uh, 9 through 15. I want you to look at it real quickly with me. This is a background story. And there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with a host of a thousand thousand, a million people, 300 chariots, and they came unto Mersha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of, of Zepathah and, and, at Marashah. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many 
or with them that have no power. Y'all with me? Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. God gave victory. But then God goes on to give Asa a promise. God made a covenant, a perpetual covenant with Asa. In 2 Chronicles 15, verse 1, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odin. Y'all still with me? And he went out to meet Asa. And he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to, to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, and God did vex them all adverse God did vex them all with adversity. And then, then we go on and says in, in verse 7, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Melchah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she made an idol in a grove. And he cut down her idol and he stamped it and he burned it at the brook. 
But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. And he brought unto the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Now, I know I read you a lot of scripture. I know that sometimes you may zone out when that is happening, but the Word of God stands by itself without my help. I don't have to throw filler words into it. The Word just stands. And the story is here just as it's recorded in the Scripture. To reiterate, they had been blessed by God. They had blessing upon blessing upon blessing given by God. They had rest that was given by God. They had victory that was given by God. And now they hold in their hands a God-given covenant. And they have within their hands a promise of ongoing provision and power from God. Are y'all with me? They have it. God's made this agreement with them. He's gone into this covenant relationship. But now, Second Chronicles 16 verse 1. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might, not, he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Here comes somebody now that's going to cut him off. You know, there's always something or somebody that wants to cut you off. From the blessing that God's given you. And Asa, watch this as it began to happen where this enemy came to cut them off, to shut them down. In verse 2, then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, there is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go break your league with Abasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto the king Asa, and he sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ejon and Dan and Abimelech and the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Basha heard it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Basha was building and built therewith Geba and Mizpah. And at that time Hananiah the seer or a prophet from God, he came to Asa king of Judah and he said unto him, I want you to look closely because... Thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thy hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with, every, with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord 
run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shew himself perfect toward him or to shew himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. I hope somebody's hearing me right now. Then Asa was wroth, or he was angry with the seer, and he put him in prison in the prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. I want you to notice this leads us to this point, and I, I hope you're with me. This is a foolish decision of a blessed man. Here are two foolish decisions that the blessed can make. The foolish decision of Asa, the foolish decisions of the blessed. Number one, they didn't trust in the Lord, even though they had a history with him. And number two, they took the very thing that God had blessed them with to hire help from godless people. There's an old song that says, I owe it all to the Lord. Everything that I have, he gave it to me. I owe it all to the Lord. I'm sitting here talking to a congregation tonight that has a history of victory. I'm sitting here talking to a group of people that you have seen what God can do. But while we're sitting in a blessed state, we must always maintain a trust that says, God, I can't do this by myself. No matter how far you've brought me, I can't go any further without your help. I've got to have you. And they didn't trust in the Lord even though they had a history together with him. And they took the very thing that God had blessed them with to hire help from godless people. Even though your bank account may be overflowing, you ought to still be trusting in the provision of God. Even though you've got more than you've ever had before, you ought to still be trusting in the provision of God. He didn't just bring you out so you could die in a state of being blessed. Some of you have come so far. Some of you now, you didn't have clothes in your closet here a while back. And now you've got so much, you can't decide what you're going to wear. Some of you driving new vehicles. Some of you got more money in your bank account than you ever thought humanly possible. You used to not have two quarters to run together, to rub together in your pocket. Now you're so blessed, you're handing money up, hand over fist. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done look what he's given but we never want to get to a point that we we where we've trusted it in the past and we've grabbed hold of the horns of the altar in the past and we said lord if you don't do it it won't get done but here we are on the other side of agony having been blessed by the hand of god we can't lose the passion that got us here They took the very thing that God had blessed them with to hire help from godless people. 
This is my paraphrase of it. But when the prophet came to Asa, you know, Asa's blessed. He's had rest. He's built an army. He's even, he's even moved his own mama out of the way. Did y'all not catch that? His own mama had an idol. And he said, Mama, you ain't doing that no more. Mama, you ain't going to be queen no more. Mama, I, I, I'm stamping your idol out because it ain't God. I mean, he was not a bad dude. He was a good guy. The Bible said that. But when he got to a place of blessing, and he had seen a multitude of a million Ethiopians defeated by the power of God, and now, in a state of blessing, when somebody comes to cut him off from his connection, he goes and hires help. So the prophet looked at him, and this made him mad. It made Asa so mad that he threw the prophet in jail. But the prophet looked at him, and I want you all to hear this. He said, if you want to hire your victories, you're going to always have battles. That's the message. If you're going to hire your victories, you're going to always have battles. God gave that word for me to give to you. It's a summation of what the prophet said. But if you're going to hire your victories, you're going to always have battles. If you're going to be hiring, if you're going to be looking outside, uh, outside sources for help in your life, you're going to always have some struggles. But, oh, do you remember the day that in sincere faith you just trusted in God? And in an insurmountable situation, you just trusted in God. And God showed up and God showed out. And God showed you how powerful he really was. Don't forget what got you here. All we need to do is believe and trust. That's my second point. All we need to do is believe and trust. You look at the children of Israel. God led them out of Egypt with a strong hand, the Bible says. There is no way that this group of people is going to come out of having been oppressed and beat down for hundreds of years. They had no army. They didn't fight their way out. God miraculously delivered them. And they come out into the wilderness. And God begins to give them guidelines for their life and establish them for, to become a people. God led his people out of Egypt not just to bring them out. He was taking them to the promised land. God provided for them while they were in the wilderness. God gave them food. God gave them clothes. When you read the backstory, God gave them shoes that didn't wear out. Think about it for a moment. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. And little David, I'll call him little David because that's a Hebrew name. Little David, he was four when they left Egypt. Little David grew Throughout those years. And little David didn't get a new pair of shoes every year. Little David's shoes grew to match his feet. His shoes grew with him. And when he walked into the promised land, 
his shoes were not wore out. It's those little things God provided for them. God gave them water out of the rock. But God's purpose, and this is what I want you to hear. And if you guys were listening close to the youth president, Brother Michael Thompson, or Thomas, Friday night, he made this statement. God's purpose was to take them to the promised land. God's purpose was not that they rely on his provision, but that they would step into his promise. You see, he fed them. He took care of them. He gave them clothes. Their clothes didn't wear out. He, their shoes grew with them. They got water. They had manna. The Bible says that tasted like honey. But he didn't want them to have something that tasted like honey. He wanted, wanted them to live in the land that flowed with milk and honey. God's purpose was to take them to the promised land. There was a whole generation that did nothing more than live off the provisions of God. They never lived in the promise. God's been good to us. God's provided. But let me ask you this, FPC. Are we living on provisions or are we living in the promise. God didn't bring them out of Egypt to provide for them. God brought them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. God didn't just bring you. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me right now. God didn't just bring you out of where you were so you could live in a state of him providing for you. God brought you out of where you were so you could walk on into the promises that he's laid out in front of you. He says, go on into it. Step on into it. Move on into it. It ain't about water in a rock. It ain't about manna. It ain't about shoes that don't wear out. I want to take you to greater things that's in front of you you see grace provides grace provides come on back musicians grace provides salvation grace provides forgiveness grace provides freedom those are the initial things that grace provides grace provides our deliverance from the world our forgiveness from our sins and our freedom from the bondage of sin and satan that's what grace provides but grace promises ongoing guidance fullness and abundance we've been stuck in john chapter 14 15 and 16 for a while and every so often i get stuck there when Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That just simply means there's many rooms or many abiding places. In my Father's house are many mansions. Are y'all with me? If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Come on, singers. Come on. Musicians, singers, all of you that... Need the checklist. Everybody that was up here a while ago, if y'all can come back. That covers it all. I saw Courtney and the rest of them are kind of, John's hiding in the shadows. Did I go? 
Do I not go? What do I do? Them singers are still back there looking at me. So I'm just covering all y'all. Just all of y'all. Get on up here. Good job. Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you. And he said, where I am, I want you to be. Where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And they looked at him and they said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know those things. We know that in John chapter 14, 15, 16, he talked about what he was going to prepare. And then he talks about life in the spirit. You see, we have heaven. That's where we're going. But we also have life here where we're seated with him in heavenly places. We have a connection with glory already. And when he said, in my father's house are many rooms, he said, I'm going to prepare a way for you to enter, to come in. As a child of God, we exit where we were. We enter into what he's taking us. But what we miss a whole lot of is that I believe he wants us to step in and start exploring. Now, we have an old house, old 90-year-old house. And you come into the side doors of our old house and you walk into the living room. I don't know why they name a living room a living room because that's not where you live. That's just where you visit and you sit. And on the other side of that is where my prayer chamber, my office is. It's the dining room and, or storage room. Then there's Bonnie's room, that's the breakfast room. Then there's the kitchen, there's a hall that kind of connects things. And there's Anna's room, and there's the bathroom. Then there's my room, and Bonnie, mine and Bonnie's room, and then Michael's room, and another bathroom back there. And y'all just went into our house. But when we possess our home, we occupy the home. We don't just pull up and sit on the porch. We occupy the home. And there's multiple rooms in the home. And rooms serve a purpose. There's a reason. The living room is when we have a big crowd and there's company or we just want to sit around as a family. The dining room, the breakfast room, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the bedrooms. We occupy the home. When Jesus said, in my Father's house are many rooms, there's many places. We get into our minds sometimes that he's just made us a room and that's going to be our living room. But I, I, I think he meant more than that because he talks to us about the Spirit. Are you all with me? 
He talks to us about the Spirit of God, how that He's going to lead and guide us into all truth. He didn't go to prepare a place for us and then we not go in and try everything out that He's prepared. The Spirit of God wants to take us by the hand and guide us deeper and further. We see this same principle when the children of Israel crossed Jordan and stepped into the promised land. We pursue the promise. Joshua chapter 1, Moses had died. God gave a word to to Joshua. And God told Joshua, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Y'all cross Jordan. You go into the land that I'm going to give you. In every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. God said, I'm going to give you the land. But I also want you to know, Joshua, that you walk with my law. You stick to the law. And I want you to know, Joshua, you be strong and you be courageous. Because if you'll hold on to my law as you walk into this land, and if you will trust in me, the Lord your God, nobody is going to stand against you all the days of your life. What you find here is those three things, the land, the law, the Lord. What you find there is the promise, the principles, and the power. What you find there is an ongoing promise of God that is a covenant that is perpetual. And you find it in John chapter 14. You find it as we walk into this Holy Ghost experience in the New Testament church. God said, you step on in to the promise. You follow my word and you continue to pursue after what I've got in front of you because my power is going to help you to attain it. I don't want you to just walk in the door and stop. I want you to continue to advance and to move forward. When the promises are pursued and when principles are established and when the power is accessed is when our potential is really known. There's sad story after sad story after sad story in the Scripture. Samson being one of them where he had abundant God-given power and didn't grasp God-honoring principles. But when you've got the promise and you've got the principles and you've got the power, it's time to quit living in provision and start moving into the promise. I feel something driving me right now. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord? Why don't you just love on Him just for a moment? Come on, reach out after the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes to the church and said in verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the purpose that you and I have become part of. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. 
Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your, your glory for this cause. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I'm praying that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen come on Asa I'm talking to an Asa here tonight that needs to hear the word of God that says his eyes are looking for an opportunity that his eyes are looking for an opportunity to show himself mighty to show himself powerful he's done it in the past he's not quit doing it he'll do it again what he has done he is doing and he will yet do I want you to real I want you to realize that we got here by the power of God. But this is not the stop point. And we've got here and we've, we've enjoyed the blessings of God. But the blessings of God are not so we can hire the godless to do the battle for us. The victory of the Lord got us here. And the victory of God is going to take us where he wants us to go. His eyes are looking for my opportunity. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to shew himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Asa, you've done foolishly. And from henceforth, you're going to struggle. There was a sad prophecy that was left with Asa the king. But it doesn't have to be my story. And it doesn't have to be your story my wife and I are the most blessed we've ever been in our life and I'm thankful to God for everything every day I say thank you Lord every day but I also have to fight because technically I'm a middle aged man now Toby you're not but I am And there can be this that wants to settle over you that says, I just, I want to enjoy. And I just want to settle in. And I just want to have fun. And I just want to enjoy life. But something stirs in your spirit. And God begins dealing with you. And God begins to say, I didn't bless you so you could walk around the blessing. I blessed you so that you could continue to invest into the work of the kingdom of God. Not so you could count my blessing and, and gloat in it. But, to, but so you could be free to bless even more. you bow your heads with me right now
you're living on the provision of God. But are you pursuing the promises? You're here because God's blessed you. But is your heart reaching? As Paul said, I'm pressing. I'm moving toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Asa, I wanted an opportunity to show myself great. And you took things into your own hands. Why did you do that? It was my blessing that brought you here. Why did you go and take things into your own hands? Asa, because you took my opportunity away and you trusted in the hands of somebody else, you're going to struggle now. And God's talking to somebody in this room today. And God said, I've brought you here. I've got you to this point. I want to take you further. Don't settle. Don't stop. I want to take you further. They're going to start singing this song, and I want us to just stand, come around this front. I want us to close this out in a time of prayer, if you would. Let's sing this together. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 God, has, God is looking for an opportunity to show himself great in your life. Come on, God is looking for an opportunity to show himself great in your life. God's made us blessed and God's made us comfortable. God's brought us from where we were and he's blessed us more than we can even imagine. But God didn't just bring us here to sit here in a blessed state. Come on. It's time that somebody has a breakthrough prayer in this room tonight. Press yourself on in just a little bit further. Press yourself on in. God, I want that. I want it. I want it. So